this show is a complete fabrication. All characters are fictitious. All scenarios are considered fallacies and exaggerations. Designed to entertain uninformed misled humans. Side effects include nausea, vomiting, profuse bleeding. If symptoms occur, please discontinue use. If erection lasts longer than four hours, please see your neighbor. Thank you. Prime time. Vance, I think all of my threesomes have all been with you. It may look cool, but it isn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't, know. I don't think it's illegal in the States, but I don't care. <laughs> You never got up in the morning, honey. <laughs> <laughs> just like you your voice. You just think I'm a nutcase. <laughs> just like you your just voice. You just think I'm a nutcase. Uh, hair. She's really clamping down. She eats a lot of what the tissues He kills it or is that pretty Star good? Killers Star killers. I got the name Keeper for my mama and now I live in Brothers and I'm the Brothers Keeper. Brothers Keeper. Brothers Keeper. Brothers Keeper. Brothers keeper. Dressing smothered freaking rancherita, how are you? Covered in butter. Why don't you come back another time? You got a hole in your sock. Yeah. What you do? Peace to the homies back home. Or? No, I don't got no love for anyone. And if you're feeling down, man, crime time is the way to be. I'm not psychic, and I can't make predictions, but I can tell you this is going to be a fat show. Um, I'm a little taller than my man here, but uh, he's still got three and a half inches on me. <laughs> there he goes. Laughing his life, man. You beautiful human. How the hell are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Man, I'm so good. All is well over here, man. I just love hearing that thick Mexican accent. <laughs> Remember that joke about the Siamese twins? Oh, damn, the double trouble, man. I know it's going to be hard, man, but let's try to get serious for a second. Yeah, there's been rumors circulating around the interweb, kind of like the blades of a helicopter, that you can make any woman shudder with climax. But let's not discuss that right now. What about a meal? What could you make for me and the boys that would fill us up? Shit, man, that's some fucking goddamn chilaquiles with some fucking fried eggs on top, man, and some refried beans, man. It's called chilaquiles montadas, man. You know what I mean? That's a meal right there. Whew. Yum, yum, man. Sounds divine. Can't wait to get my chops wrapped around that succulent meal. Sort of the hangover, then go straight to the shitter fucking type breakfast. Anyway, let's talk about your name, man. Uh, Spick or Spicko. That definitely could cause concern for some people. Has it been a headache for you? And how did you come up with that name, knowing it could be controversial? Every time I would write Spick, you know, I try to do like legible stuff, you know, and I was just getting buffed, crossed out. One time I was writing the number one bus line over here, just going, you know, downtown and. 
you know, I'm as beaner as you get. My parents are Mexican immigrants. You know, we didn't even learn English until we went to school. Poor as hell. Three older sisters, she used to sell their clothes. My dad was from Juarez. Guess it was the murder capital of the world for a little while there, you know, and the slum of shit. You know, I was uh, scribing the window on that bus and, you know, I was writing in spit, you know, doing a nice little scribe there. And I guess I call them northern beaners, man. You know, they're the beaners over here in Austin and uh, they're not like us over there, you know. They're all like, oh, why you write spit, homie, you know, talking like, like, like they black or something. I don't know what the hell it is over here you know but it's different so i started talking to them in spanish they, they didn't even know spanish so they just kind of left me alone and it's, it's a win-lose situation you know and the way i got that name was you know my, my good buddy spotter you know what i mean old, old school dac 4dc tyranian guy you know we used to call him the persian rug thug he just started calling me spig it kind of just stuck to that so big ups on my buddy miroc man I, I miss that guy you know he got deported right after 9-11 he's iranian so you know, I changed it up after a while. I started, you know, I put the O and the E at the end, just kind of in spit O, you know, and just, I guess it's kind of a, what, a controversial name. Not just your name, but it seems like your lifestyle probably matches that philosophy as well. You know, I've always liked shit that was raw, you know, like my buddy would always tell me, like, why do you listen to like Gigi Allen or fucking all that bullshit? You know, motherfuckers <laughs> crazy. I just like that, that, you know, if it's controversial and it's Hank Williams, I'll listen to all that shit, even though they're racist motherfuckers, but you know, some of that shit's crazy as shit, you know. Did you stay in touch with Spotter? Yeah, we still keep in touch. His families were, uh, political refugees from Iran, you know. It was unfortunate what happened. He's in Germany. Now he got in trouble out there with being homeboy Regal and stuff. I don't know. So we still keep in touch. Hey, I don't think he paints graffiti anymore. He's still my friend. You know, that's one thing about it is graffiti's graffiti, man, but you have your friends. Feel that you're just going to be friends with somebody because they paint. I'm not into that, man. I'm in it for the long haul, you know. If your life is too short, lost a lot of friends, man, and graffiti's graffiti, man. You, you do it for you and nobody else. You're going to do it for other things, and st I stick with my friends, you know? What the hell makes people racist, man? And what does racism mean to you being Mexican? It's just, I think they're scared, you know? Like, a lot of people say, you know, white people are the most racist people in the world, you know, or I've always said the Mexicans are the most racist people in the world, man. They hate their own kind. You know, I'm from El Paso, and you know, you hop over the border, go to Juarez, they hated the crap out of us because we were, you know, Chicanos. We weren't real Mexicans. It could be stupidity, ignorance. I don't know what. I just think they just don't understand. I never knew racism. I'm from El Paso. Everybody spoke Spanish, you know, white, black, brown, whatever it is. I didn't even really, you know, know racism until I moved to Austin. And it wasn't by white people. It was by the freaking crazy ass Oriental people where I live, man. They were crazy. They hated me. I don't know for what, but that was the first time I felt racism was coming to Austin. It was, and I guess you call it a hippie town. I guess on the north side where I live, <laughs> I guess there were no hippies over there, man. <laughs> Marty Robbins has a song called El Paso, but I don't think that it really embodies what kind of place El Paso really is. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Why don't you tell some of the listeners what it's like growing up in a border town? In my neighborhood, I guess, what do they call it? Neighborhood, nine block radius, I guess you want to call it. In my neighborhood alone, we had about seven gangs, and they all hated each other. And what's crazy about it is most of these guys I grew up with, we went to elementary, you know, middle school. But as soon as it, like, you know, towards seventh, eighth grade, everybody started going according to their neighborhood. We were fighting and killing each other. I kind of got put into it just for the simple fact, out of protection, I guess, because, you know, I was always a little skater kid, 10, 11 years old. You know, I had my first Steve Cavalero board then, you know, and when they were big old thick boards, the real shit. 
everywhere I would go skate, I would get jumped or beat up. It kind of just fell in with the area that I lived in. And I fell in with that gang, which was the biggest gang in the east side. And just kind of put my skateboard down and started getting sticks and bats, whatever we could use to, in order to protect ourselves. It was pretty rowdy, you know, it was the whole era. The colors and boys in the hood came out, you know, they didn't even show none of that stuff in El Paso because you would get killed. You know, something was gang infested. My house was like fourth one from the end of the block. We had a neighborhood over there with a little, uh, grocery store it was called big eight i couldn't even walk there because even the guys that worked there were gang members they would just be a ball right away something would happen kind of woke up when i came over here and i was able to walk around i remember one of the first counters i had over here i was going it was an heb i didn't know what the hell i called it head i had never heard of heb my whole life you see these two mexican dudes with their versace glasses gold teeth you know bald heads i'm like oh hell these are some gangster ass motherfuckers you know it's gonna something's gonna happen and now nah, they opened up the door for me and you know i was like what the hell people are nice over here like eh. i could walk everywhere be free and not get shot at and it was like culture shock saw grass you know in El Paso you can't walk with your mouth open because you've got a mouthful of mud after a while the damn dust and you get run over by a tumbleweed something you know it's, it's crazy you know we think we know our parents but really there's a lot of secrets and stories you never hear are you ever going to tell your kids about the gang life and that life you had growing up Oh, no, not at all. You, you know, I have two boys, one daughter, and, you know, I see some of my old gang buddies, you know, they'll bring up stuff. I don't, I don't ever want my kids to know all that stuff, man. You know, I, I was a horrible person, and I was always in and out of county, you know, robbing, stealing, you know. It was just a different mentality. My buddy Victor Porras, we called him Demon, you know, and he was one of the OGs in our gang. And when I was 13 years old, they were probably in their, you know, mid-20s. I just remember him giving me a quarter pound of weed and a little 32, and he said, there you go. You know, it's time to go. You could get anything. It's it's all available. You know, you got Border Town, got to get eight balls of coke for like 20 30 bucks you know it even got to a point where we were baggage rats for people coming from st louis we would just strap ourselves up with freaking tons of weed and coke and go across an airport and just people would meet us in the bathroom and we would just hand it over we just had to get across and make it happen stealing cars you know we had like 10 cars at this neighborhood kmart and we would just park the cars in the parking lot you know we had a different car every week when we were done with it take it over to juarez make you know two three thousand dollars per car and you know this is i live very fast and very quick very brutal. I OD'd at 13 years old on coke, and I was freebasing at 15, and I OD'd twice. Just a lot of hell. Have you gone back since? 2008. You know, I took my wife. Just wanted to let her see where I grew up. Automatically clicked back into that hard-headed knucklehead where I was just mad-dogging everybody and just on the defense. You know, the homies out there, which I wasn't even seeing my gang buddies out there. I was with, you know, the BY show and, you know, my buddy Devaker and all them, they're all like, you know, chill out, man. You know, like everybody, it's different. It's clean. There's no graffiti anywhere. I was like, I go walk around the block. Now it's all colorful and old people and little kids walking around. I'm like, wow, you know, when I moved over here, it was totally different. I met my wife and my kids, you know, my son really changed me. His mama left us when he was one years old, you know, and I was a single dad. That changed completely everything. I didn't want my kid to be a, some orphan kid, quit doing drugs. And you know, I started trying to paint more on canvases because I didn't want to get caught doing some stupid shit and lose my boy, you know. And I guess I learned, huh? I got a lot of dues to pay because there's going to be that one day when I'm coming in that light, I'm going to be in dirt. I guess my judgment day will be then, so we'll see. Living that close to Mexico, do you have any stories about the cartels? You're all this way, pa 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 pa. You know what I mean? The next day in the news, and you know the Mexican newspaper in the news, this dude or this chick, shall I say, her husband or boyfriend, whatever you want to call it, was one of the cartels lieutenants, whatever you want. He marked out. He, you know, he went in protective custody, but they didn't take his girl. And guess what? That very next day, all that shooting that we heard. 
that was that girl, man. They killed a bunch of cops. They chopped that girl's head off, her legs off, and they dragged her all to Juarez and left her in front of Town Hall. You know what I mean? Like, that was all. Like, that's some real stuff. That's definitely some crazy shit, man. Sounds like pure fucking hell. I guess on a better note, uh, Texas is really known for its freight addiction, and kind of the guys that started that was A2M. Do you know any of the A2M guys? Worm or some of the other guys? Yeah, I do know Worms. You know, I've known him for a long time. He was probably the biggest influence here. Of course, when I first moved here, it's all in the cake. They were doing their thing. You know, they were killing it. You know, they're still good. You know, I know every single one of them guys, and they're they're good people. You know, Worms, he's still around. He's just doing his thing. Beast mode, man. All the, all those A2M guys, Dead, you know, Paws and Ghouls and fuck, the graffiti scene, you know, like I didn't get that in El Paso, you know, I got a lot of gang stuff. You know, don't get me wrong, you know, El Paso, you know, I grew up with the CTS guys, man, the cannabis tribes. Those guys were killing them. My buddy Coro, man, man, that dude's a beast. But Austin was more the, the punk rock grimy Jesse and my buddy Five and Anthony kids, you know, rest in peace, them dudes. And it was just, Austin was grimy. It was good. Could go anywhere, do anything, and it was good times back then. When all that shit was here, everybody grows up and does their thing. And what about that foul, decadent piece of cake, a.k.a. Sloke 1? Like a goddamn machine, you know, fucking Sloke, you don't stop. He's, he's like, he's a man on a mission, you know, and Waker's out here, Q's, you know, and a bunch of other guys, you know, and good they used to have the little group here as far as graffiti in austin don't get me wrong i guess i call it home now you know and there's so many talented people out here and my buddy catcher man he's just killing austin right now he's calling the fake forest gump of graffiti you know what i mean this guy looked just like that fool he's crazy man he's all over the place active he's one of the the realest people i know he's a younger dude you know, the HD guys out here, they're still doing their thing. You know, I have big props to them. It's just different. You got some of these kids that come all you. They pay for two years. They say, oh, I'm all city in Austin. Come on, man. You can ride your bike across Austin. You know, like all city. Get the fuck out of here with that. You know, like. You know, graffiti seems like an endless road trip. But do you ever see an end in sight? I'll probably never stop painting. Started when I was like 13. You know, I really didn't do my first piece till 2004. Keep it with it. You know, that's all I did my time now. You know, whatever. Get out of here. I think there's... If there was some type of scientific study, they'd probably prove that graffiti is addictive because every time you paint your best piece, you're always out there the next night trying to outdo it. Like you're never satisfied and you have to keep going to try to outdo it. You know, for the longest time, I, you know, I don't know why I did it, but I just tested myself for a long time and I barely started painting my own name maybe like a couple of years ago. I was painting other people's names all the time because anybody do your name over and over, you know, twist up a letter, you know, add a little doodad on it, whatever you want to call it. Try painting other people's names every single time and didn't believe in sketching for a long time, you know, like I just kind of wanted to go up there and the way it came out is the way it came out and, you know, you can always improve it or disapprove it, whatever you want to call it, but you're only as good as your last piece. <laughs> That's what I say. I don't know, man. There's always room for improvement. The thing about graffiti is there's no rules, man. You do what you do and you make it happen. You foul little turpentine sipper. Hypothetical question. Let's say I had two girls here ready to service you like an HVAC service tech and give you a free tune-up or a flat car, daytime, unlimited time. Which would you choose? I'm going to do the smart thing. And I'm going to give me some brownie points for my wife. I'm going to go pick that damn car. I'm married to a Czech German. You know, honestly, my wife is, she's the one kicking me out. Be like, graffiti is my stress relief. That's me. That's my time. That's me to get away. You know, work is fucking crazy. You just want to beat the crap out of people. So I, I got pretty lucky with my wife. You know, she's, she knows that the way she met me is the way I'm going to be. I'm not going to change. 
just like I said, I could go paint a train and come back and shit, I could do that. I could still get some when I get home. <laughs> I know it's waiting. <laughs> so is painting and graffiti, is that a culture that you're going to pass down to your kids or? I did it. I know what I was doing. Whatever I'm going to get myself into, I'm going to get myself into. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to get pop. You know, I think about everything. Go paint out. You know, I'm going to go scope that place. I'm going to be there and I'm going to, just my freight spot that I have over here. You know, it's deep in the country. You know, you're just, most you got to worry about is rattlesnakes and coyotes. Seen it for so long and I scoped it out for so long. I didn't even paint it for like maybe the first six years that I lived here. And then now I'm painting because I know what's up. I know when people are there. I know when people aren't there. I know what's coming. You know, I know where park it's kind of hard for me to tell my son oh no no just do a legal law it's like uh you know like but anyways it won't happen because you know you know what they say you never want to be like your dad and that's kind of happening to me you know <laughs> my son's going to college right now for physics and astronomy he wants to do physics so he is total opposite he sees me you know i still drink beer and he's like uh you know like he just doesn't go for that you'll be like dad you're still paying i'm like oh shit you know that hurts my goddamn feelings you know <laughs> But, you know, I wish they would. I don't think it's going to happen, man. They're into their own deal. I know if they're going to do it, they're going to have to do it the right way, man. That's a rough question. Hey, do you have a favorite beer that you like to suck on? Well, we were talking about cheating, right? So I told my wife that my other mistress is Stella, man. So my Stella toy, man, that's my beer. That's It's expensive as shit, but well, most of the time I just drink Modelo's, man. I, I keep it plain. You know, there's a lot of crazy sounds in the yard at night. But have you ever had any, like, supernatural experience, UFOs or strange entities in a yard? Yeah, I'm going to tell you a little story. You know, one time it was me and my boy Header, you know what I mean? We're out Header, he's my brother, you know, that's my brother from another mother, man. You know, you kind of keep it quiet, you paint, you, you know, I got to take a shit, man. It's like, hey, you know, everybody's lost a sock. And that point in time, we were there, and he's like, man, I got to take a shit, you know, like, okay, cool, you know, like, but, you know, you see, you see that right there, right in between the freights. I don't know what it is, man, but you're just like, holy shit, he's like, you know, and I, I kind of feel he has the, the feeling, hey, you know, he wants me to go with him. I'm like, man, I ain't going to go with what this grown-ass man shit. You, like, you paint, you do what you got to do, but there's always something right there just watching this. And we turn around and boom, it's right there. Something stayed out there, and it's still there. And when we go paint, we know that that's what's up. I'm sure there's a few listeners right now that are like, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what they're talking about. I know your ex-girlfriend was a wild animal. Do you have any domesticated animals at home? Two little fucking chewy dogs, man. Uh, the black and white one, his name is Yeti, and the brown one, he's, you know, that's Monster, you know what I mean? And uh, they're little dudes, man, but get home, and my fucking dog looked like he just ate a goddamn Texas-sized potato fucking snake, got him right in the goddamn face, man. It was horrible. We thought he was going to die, man, but he, he roughed it out. He's a tough little fuck. That's good. Three little fucking crazy-ass Nazi cats that I have that just fucking hate everybody and everything. I thought for sure you were going to say horse, because you're talking about living out in the country. I saw a horse was at the donkey show in Laredo, man. He was a blowjob by like four girls. That was horrible, man. <laughs> that's yeah. Normally, I'd say that's too much information, TMI, but I'm going to go with too many damn inches. <laughs> Yeah. I've never seen a donkey cry till that day, man. It cried? <laughs> Dude, the tears were coming down, man. Like, and I don't know, man, but uh, that donkey was just fucked up. You know, Laredo's crazy, man. You know, like, they literally just put lawn chairs in a circle, and there's this fucking donkey. Fucking four badass bitches bring them in and putting that donkey dick in their snatch and sucking the dick. And, oh, it was horrible. I couldn't stand it, you know? It was from dusk till dawn, man. It was just crazy. I definitely don't want to encourage that kind of behavior, 
but how big was the damn load? Shit, he busted a gallon. Like, they had a bucket of nuts, dude, and they're just pouring it on themselves. Oh, that's it, man. I'm out. You know, that's just, it was just bad. You know, I'm not trying to set the mood for anyone, but what does an establishment like that actually smell like? Dude, all I know is it smelled like pussy and fucking wet ass, dude. It was horrible, man. Like, that was the devil's playpen right there. I've never seen anything like that, dude. And yeah, I got my ass grabbed by some Bushwick Bill lookalike, man, just was walking around fucking grabbing asses and balls. I, I never had my balls grabbed so many times in one night, man. It was horrible. You got little old 80-year-old old ladies, man, trying to looking like the Wicked Witch of the West, you know, trying to take you into their little bushes and nasty orgy whorehouse, man. It's, when we walked into one room, nothing but condoms, like cotton, dude, but it was just condoms everywhere. It was horrible, man. That was, a, that was probably the craziest situation I've ever been <laughs> Honestly, man, I don't know how to say no, and I'd probably have to pass on that joint. I guess on another note, what do you think life's really about? What's the purpose? Why are we here? I learned the hard way, but, you know, getting older and, man, I was never a sentimental guy, you know, and I see my kid, you know, my son just left to college three weeks ago, man, and, man, I cried like a little baby, I ain't gonna lie, I remember holding him in my arms, you know, just a little boy, now he's this bearded, fucking little pervert magazine, he's got all these hot chicks around him, and it just made me realize how... I took advantage of my life and I could have done a lot more. You know, I could have gone to college. I went to ninth grade on my GED, you know, and started working. You know, I was out of my house at 16 and I kind of was like, I'm living my life through my kids. I, I'm glad they're going to college, even though you don't want me going there because checking out of the chicks, you kind of embarrassed. What life means is what you make it and you got to take advantage too short. One day you're going to be dead and, you know, what are you going to get out of it? Nothing because you're going to die. You're going to die and you're not going to take nothing with you. That's rock solid wisdom. Is there any goals that go along with those kind of life choices? I guess my goal now is just to try to be the best person I can be. You know, I don't like my mission when I'm around people is to make them smile. Tell your friend that you love them or your brother or wherever it is, man, every day. I think your life would be so much better, man. You know, when I was young, I was angry. I did have a lot of hatred, but now it's, I'm going to be dead one day, man. And to honestly want to die and just be like, you know, my kids are happy with me and my wife, people around me that I've touched, you know, connected with. And they could say like, you know, that dude was always a good dude, man. And people come to my house. It's my house, your house, man. You know, I'll be you don't want to die and people be like damn that dude was a dick man you know that dude was an asshole you know not because of graffiti or whatever but my personality man that was that's a good person right there man you know and <laughs> you know when i see your pieces man i call it the sigourney weaver style because it's totally alien what would you call the style that you paint my style, I always called it the organic style. You thought that a smoky weed would make me enhance. I don't know. You know, I quit smoking weed at 25 years old, and it totally changed my whole life. In my mind, every time I would want to paint, I would just see, like, muscle flesh, you know, like, you know, layers of it, you know, just like vines and the way trees are, you know, like organic, you know, and I just started painting it. Honestly, it was like I would do all these jobs or go paint different places and I would be writing my name, would just say a big old stick in their house on the wall or on their building or whatever it is. I don't know, kind of conniving because it's a stick on your goddamn wall, but it looks like a real techie design. You know, it just looks like flesh. You know, not only that, I, I changed it also because I was tired of getting buffed or crossed out. I, I never was much of a, oh, I'm going to look at magazines do this, do that. I kind of just wanted to invent my own stuff. After a while, it started looking at yourself like, oh, shit, that dude's doing it too. Or, oh, shit, this dude's doing it. But kind of, graffiti is like, like a piece of pie, man. You know, everybody wants it. They dig it and they want to eat it, but they never want to pitch in and try to give it, you know, to, to get that next piece of pie. 
do what you do, you know, and if you know you're doing it like somebody else, then come on, get a grip, man, do your own. There was rules at one point, kind of like guidelines, but everyone's kind of ignoring it now. So what happened to style? I think that's why it's changed. Like, everybody's doing this, guess what do you want to call it, this new graffiti, you know, like, and I like it, you know, I'm, man, I love I love all art, man. It's you, and you're doing it for you, and it's your original theme, and shit, do it up, man. I did start coming off of that you know crazy style that i was doing and i started getting more on straight letters and just deck them out something that i could knock in and out real quick on a freight or something you know or at a wall if you're gonna change it and if you're gonna do it do it for you and don't do it because a fucking video or something when i was growing up shit it was walmart can crylon you know you use what you could get now you got these techie cans which i like them too shit you know i, I never really was into that and i was like holy shit this can you could get this clean ass line but i could do that with some rust though you know like it's just more i guess you want to call it availability now they think that uh just going and doing this messy ass piece and adding a bunch of colors and oh you're a graffiti writer now yeah yeah anybody could do that my 10 year old little daughter could do that so when you're not making love working or painting something and you sit down on the couch and the tv's on what kind of stuff do you watch gonna lie you know i'll get out there i'll watch one of them yard trasher shows man then before i know i'm going to lowe's and putting some shit on my card and building it I, I love watching like ufc and stuff you know what i mean my son always makes fun of me like, why are you watching these men in tights just wrestling against each other so what did you think of the mayweather mcgregor fight i was actually going for mcgregor man i hate mayweather you know mcgregor's not a boxer man he's a ufc fighter man you know and Mayweather, that's his cup of tea. You don't go into somebody's tea and try to drink from it. You know what I mean? That's that's his tea. It's all for money. You know what I mean? And the idiots that were paying for it was all of us, you know, <laughs> in order to watch it. But hell, we just made them richer. Up until this point in our conversation, you've been pretty upbeat and positive. But has there ever been any serious downtimes in your life? You know, my house burned down in 2006 and basically lost everything I ever owned, man. I was lucky to be alive. I was our, our furnace, man. It blew up. I don't, I ain't trying to make you feel bad or none of that, you know what I mean? Because when people ask me about stuff like that or I lost my parents in that house, they didn't make it out. That was a life changer. December 28th, man, right after Christmas, 2006. And my parents had just moved back here to my house from uh, San Antonio because there was just a lot of shit going on. You know, my sister was really bad into drugs. They came back to help. They were here for a month. They moved here on Thanksgiving, and within 30-something days, they were dead. You know what I mean? My, it just didn't work. My wife was pregnant with my daughter six months. You know, my little boy, he was eight years old at that time. I, nobody wants their parents to die, you know, and just changed my whole life. It sucks, man. Parents are 10 feet away from you, and you can't get them out because the fire is too hard. I stand here in awe and wonder how it is you even moved forward and got your life put back together. So I would just like to first and foremost say sorry for your loss takes a lot of courage and discuss some really devastating moments in your life there's two options at this point let it destroy you or let it uplift you somehow yeah and that's there you're exactly right man it did it, it made me open up you know it made me awake it made me stop this after my parents passed you know it was i went back in the house you know and i was trying to get them out you know what i mean and i could see them i just couldn't get them when you know that's it it's a life changer man and it was it's a horrible horrible thing man and still never really mourned about it it opened my eyes man it made me appreciate it appreciate who you have around you you know my mom she was an angel man you know my dad was this hardcore motherfucker you know that never cried that man never missed a day of work he was hardcore you know you, got, you know from what is you know poor as hell you know the youngest of all you know my aunts and uncles he earned everything he got. When you see that, 
and you go through something like that, either it'll break you or it'll make, I guess it made me, you know, it, it made me keep on going and not take anything for granted. It makes you not be hateful towards other people or think you're better than somebody, you know, because you're really not, man. When your time comes, your time's coming. No matter how good a graffiti you are, how good of a senior you are, you know, how big your dick is, whatever it is, man, it, that, none of that shit matters because once you're gone, you're gone. And that's it. You know, my dad always told us, man, you know, the barrios don't cry, man. You know, you don't cry. It kind of held me to a, a higher statue. You know, I remember a young kid, I was probably like six years old, and I remember my dad with my grandma in his arms. He was holding her up, crying, you know, and I was like, I just walked away, you know. I think that's the last time I saw him cry, man, you know, and I just don't ever want people to have a regret. If I hurt somebody or did something bad to somebody, I try to make it right. It made no sense in dying like that, feeling like that, or even being like that, period. That's stupid. Music definitely helps us get through some hard times, too. Is there any type of music or band you're really into? Music is the spice of life, man. I love the variety. I love all music. Drink our cup of coffee and listen to some jazz, man, all morning, man. You know what I mean? The only particular album that I've pretty much listened to once a week, and this is caught on as truth, man, is the Kind of Blue album from Miles Davis. I've had it forever. Zone out on that and just be myself and be relaxed. I always thought that Borderland Jam was something that happened at a strip club. But what exactly is it? Is that a graph event? Honestly, I've gone every year, and this is the first year I'm not going to be able to go. It's been going for uh, since 2008, I, I believe. I think it was the Borderland Jam then. It was Loken and doing that piece together. You know, one of them was in El Paso, and we all went out there. And now it's a every year show, man. You know, Miker and, and Little Sick and Brave and Cider and all them, you know, they're a... They put on this crazy event, man, that's block. It's like a big old Walmart block. Tons of walls, tons of people, super good artists. That El Paso's got it going on, man. It's just not in my budget, man. You know, just like I said, my kid's going to college, and I just felt greedy going places and doing stuff when I could be supporting him and you know buying stuff for him. But yeah, man. Okay, man. So simply put, what's more important, having a clean ass or a clean piece? <laughs> I got to clean his ass in graffiti, man. I got a bidet, come home and shit. Bidet it up, dude. Clean his ass in graffiti. <laughs> I eat a lot of hot shit, you know what I mean? So having a bidet is times 10, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you eat that hot shit and coming out. You get that little ice cube in the net, put it right where the water, and it shoots out water, cold water. Man, that burning up is coming out good. You know, it's in my house, you're going to use that bidet, man. You're going to be the second clean his ass in graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a little weird. Um, let's go from asses to self-help classes. You know, a real sign of wisdom is when you can say a little, and it means a lot. So there's quotes and different sayings that people live by. Is there anything like that that you carry with you from day to day? My dad died 10 years ago, and, and these are his exact words, man. He always told me, Miko, you treat people the way you want to be treated, and just watch. Your life will change. Your life will be good. Damn, man. What a great conversation this has been. Uh, we could go on for hours, but let's wrap this thing up. Uh, definitely laughed a lot, cried a little. And how about that freaking oversized minority shaft of yours giving a couple shout-outs to your peeps? All right, well, yeah, I do want to give some shout-outs, well, of course, to my good brother and my best friends. The people that I don't call a crew, but I call my brothers, you know what I mean? And that's my letter crushers, you know what I mean? They've been through thick and thin with me. You know, no matter what, they're always there. You know, we could crush more than anything. We're friends. You know, you guys know who you are. There's too many of y'all. I'm just blessed that they stuck with me on this whole little journey that I've had. The, the one and only, my buddy, my best friend, my brother, the one that I love the most. 
you know, I can't deny that and Petter. I just want to tell you, when you hear this, you know, you're my brother. I love you for whatever you do and whoever you are and everything you have done for me. You know, you're my main dog. Yeah, love my buddy, my family, my brothers, my sisters. They're my backbone. I, I can't get anywhere without them. You know, of course, my wife and my, my kids, you know, and, you know, the big RTDs and the big DACs and the big BYs, you know, the IGKs, whatever, whatever they would want me with them, you know, I'm just blessed and very honored to be a part of everything. I just want to say thank you to everybody, you know, and thank you to my mom and dad for letting me stay this long alive watching me out there. But yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. Love everybody. Be nice to each other. Graffiti is like like a piece of pie, man. You know, everybody wants it. They dig it and they want to eat it, but they never want to pitch in and 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 they never want to pitch in